my, my business partner, Jill, she owns several companies and, and uh, has a kind of a, a parent company that, uh, that runs them all. And so since she owns a portion of this company, I now have access to her CFO and all the accounting and bookkeeping that she does. And so um, that is part of her investment. She has a cash investment and also a sweat equity investment in the, in the form of some development resources as well as the financial resources, financing and accounting resources. Not, um, so she did, she did some cash investment as well as some sweat equity. And so I was able to offload the thing that I, I will put it off till, till I'm dead because I hate it. <laughs> So I, I think my advice is just make sure you know what you like to do and what you're good at and find a people to come up and help you with what you're not good at. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has grown several uh, startups and small businesses to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help start, uh, startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the episode, Tom McGillan. And uh, Tom is a Graduated from high school, went on a Mormon mission. For those of you that are, uh, as myself, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or known as Mormon, um, learned how to sell, learned a lot about data, and then uh, went through a, a couple different uh, things in his life. Worked at the call center for, I think it was 31 years, so a long time. Call center industry. I don't know if you were necessarily on the phones the whole time, but at least the industry. 31 years. Um, went through a couple different uh, divorces along the way. And um, kind of after the second divorce, kind of said, hey, there's got to be a better way. Let's write out a plan. Let's figure this out so we don't have to go the traditional route of spending a ton of time, money, and effort. Everybody's mad at each other. It doesn't work out well. And figure out a much better process and uh, kind of brought that up to where it's at today of ourdivorce.com. And uh, we'll get dive into all the fun details in a bit more. But with that much, welcome on the podcast, Tom. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So I gave the very brief 10-second uh, overview, but maybe let's uh, start at the beginning of your journey and tell us kind of how you got to where you're at today. Well, Ed, uh, I, you know, uh, I think a lot of us fall into our careers. Uh, 31 years in the contact center space, started out as a phone agent. Um, listeners that are in Utah, it was uh, for about five years. I learned the call center business but certainly hated being on the phones. That gets pretty boring. Um, but what, uh, after about phone work, I became a call center supervisor and manager and worked my way up through and ultimately got into the uh, sales side where I sold outsourcing services um, and, and, and career there for 31 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I but great things to say about the contact center space. Um, never planned on leaving. I figured I would retire from that. Um, um, uh, earlier this year when COVID hit, um, uh, there were, it was a little, a lot of people experienced that it was a little tougher to sell pretty much anything. Uh, and, um, and so, so, um, I had had this plan, and I guess we'll probably spend a little bit more time talking about this plan. In fact, a lot of it is what, you, what is uh, behind me here is, um, on how to have a divorce go smoothly. And 
was just a couple of weeks away from a divorce. I knew I felt it was coming. So I put my and my uh, a friend of mine who happens to be an attorney suggested that package that plan, I'd be able to help a lot of people get through a really tough part of their lives. And so that's what we decided to do. Okay, so diving into that just a, a bit more. So if I were to do that, you know, first of all, call center, you know, or call center industry, or I think you call it contact center. Is that to make it sound nicer or more friendly? No, it's just, I'm old enough to remember when phone calls were the only service, but over the years that we've added email, chat, um, anything else. So rather than call, they just kind of switched the C uh, to us to, from a call to contact. So it was just contact center instead. All right. I just didn't know. It's kind of like the, I, you know, every so often the company rebrands because they get a bad repetition. I didn't know if the industry was saying everybody hates call center because they are, it's the people that are calling me on Friday night when I'm out with my wife and, you know, we're out on a date and they just interrupt my night. So I didn't know if it was a rebranding, but it makes more sense to do it as a contact center if you're expanding your avenues of contact. So you're sure. the con or contact center industry and apologize if I keep calling it call center. Um, but you did that for, you know, 31 years which is a, a lar long time to do that uh, so first of all is was a call you know was a call center industry did you enjoy it or what was the you know that's a long time to do it. what was the motivation for switching over you know was it that you're worn out wanted something different it was a I have to do this or what was kind of you know changing careers after that long period of time and I get COVID hit but was it you know just Hey, I got to find something new or was it some, or, you know, what was that motivation? Two motivating factors. Uh, the first one, the, the mother of invention was the fact that I, um, I was going through a divorce at the time and I was possible. And, and the fact that what the plan that I had written for our divorce turned out to be quite effective. Um, and, and when my friend suggested that I could help a lot of people that way, of course, I, like you, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. And I thought, well, there's got to be money to be made. So my plan had been to continue working, um, work um, and acquaintances, um, contact center industry to develop the product and just kind of do it on the side. It was just, but when COVID really hard, um, more or less furloughed for about a month. I couldn't really do much. Uh, that month working full time uh, on this new product called Our Divorce. And when I started to see the, uh, the uh, divorce rate go up, which is uh, depending on the estimate that, you've, that you read, it's anywhere between 40 and 50% higher this year than it was last year. Um, I thought, you know what, there's, I need to make this happen as quickly as possible. Um, so I decided rather than make it a part-time gig, I decided to just go in with both feet. And so I jumped right in, partnered up with, um, a business associate named Jill Blankenship. And between the two of us, we, um, we had, a, we hired our development team and designed the product and set out that way. It was, it was more, I could have stayed in the industry, mm. but I just, I saw a great opportunity and decided to go for it. All right. No, I think that, you know, it's a testament to you in the sense that, you know, not necessarily on the divorce. I'm sure that's painful, but at least saying, hey, things have changed with the contact center industry and with COVID. And, you know, I'm I've, a bit as I've got to adjust or I've got to pivot. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen here? So I think that was, you know, 
a kudos to you for saying rather than you know get down in the dumps or say hey this is not my fault that COVID hit and I'm, I'm now unemployed or I don't have that revenue source let's figure out something that we can do to you know make up for that or to pivot and adjust and to still um, have that as a, a, a way to um, you know continue to provide for yourself and for the family so you did that and you you know you said okay call center industry or contact center industry and I'll get it right eventually um, <laughs> But you did that and you said, okay, I've, I've, got a, I've got this idea, was going to do it on the side. Now I've got to do it full time in order to, you know, kind of shift where I'm going at. How did that go when you dived in? You know, first of all, I guess backing up when you did it as a part-time thing, you know, was it, was it difficult to balance both of them at the same time? Did you make it work? And, you know, you said you were kind of on the path of keep it as a part-time. How is it, first of all, going, doing that part-time with the other job? And then how is it transitioning to going to the full-time? Well, we, we didn't start after the divorce was final. Um, and my divorce was final on Valentine. I want to have a really romantic Valentine's Day. Um, so <laughs> Judge literally signed it on Valentine's Day. And so we didn't start anything until after that was completed. And so, and then I left my job um, in the contact center space in May. So I was only doing the part-time thing for a couple of months before I said, you know what? Um, and so it was more still in the planning phases and the planning stages. So it was a lot of long hours, but quite frankly, it was kind of cathartic. It was, um, almost a therapeutic thing to um, be able to work, you know, I mean, I was already working a lot in the contact center space, but of course this allowed me to um, drop 15, 16 hours a day working on something, which, you know, allowed me to immerse myself and get your mind off of the, the personal troubles in your life. Hmm. So, and, and once you, so now you decide, okay, gonna devote what it was it going to be a part-time thing, doing it full-time, diving all in, you know, a couple questions. So, you know, diving in, you know, COVID took away the previous revenue of income. Was it, hey, I'm going to live off of personal savings for a period of time? Was it you're, you have a huge inheritance and you're a millionaire and you, and you didn't have to work and you just do this for fun? Or how did you kind of say, hey, if I'm going to dive into this, I'm, how am I going to support myself as we get it up and going? Well, I'll tell you, if I had a huge inheritance, I would have retired a long time ago and just <laughs> Green Bay Packers games. But um the uh, the answer is that it's a combination of savings, um, but more than anything, uh, when uh, I was fortunate enough to sell a home in um, in March, um, and uh, used the proceeds, we had a lot of equity in the home. It was a beautiful home that we had together, and so when we sold the home after we split the proceeds. Um, um, I lived off of that and have continued to live off of that until very recently, actually. Um, and it, as our divorce has started to produce income, um, mm -hmm. it's been nice. So, no, and I think that, and that makes sense in the sense of most of, most of the time, none of, we don't have just a huge amount of inheritance or something that just allows us to just uh, take it easy. So, you know, living off of what you've, you know, in, in investments or money you've accumulated over a period of time and going all in certainly makes sense. So, now, as you did that and you jumped over to full-time, has it been all roses and the perfect, you know, perfect path, no problems. You just jumped in, built the product and it's taken off like a hockey stick or what is that? I don't think that's likely in reality. So what is that? How did it really go for you? Yeah, I don't, I wish that it were that easy. Um, no, we, we ran into um, several problems. The first problem that a lot 
it's from from the get-go is the fact it has its own set of of laws mm. and so to to service every state plus jurisdictions uh, for divorce means I have to have 51 um, processes, if you will. Mm. Um, now, by the same process, with a few exceptions, child um, I'm forgetting two of them. Oh, requirements and uh, something else. There are four of them. Four uh, are different in each state, but actually are the same. One other difference in that is the documentation. Let me, hold on, give me one, and pause it. Let me pause the thing. We're getting just a bit of interference. I don't know if it's on my end. So give me one second to see if I can correct the internet. It just started to cut out. So hold on one second. I'm going to hit pause. I'll be back in just a couple minutes and we'll pick up from there. Does that work? So, uh, in fact, I'll leave what the, the other one was. So, all right, you think of that. Let, give me one second. I'll uh, see if I can get things uh, working better on my end and we'll, we'll circle right back. So hold on. All right, so we're back. So for all those that are the, the listeners, we had a bit of technical or glitches or difficulties. I worked on my side and hopefully we've got them all remedied and worked out. So Tom was just, uh, for those of you, if it was cutting out just a little bit, you were saying a thing that really, one of the difficulties with the divorce industry and, and that in general is you have 51 states that have 51 different sets of law because divorce is generally state law. So you have different processes to do it. And then you're saying there are a few different within those laws that they have a few different things, including alimony and child support. And you're saying a couple others. So yeah, it's, hopefully it's, catching everybody back up. I'll turn it back over to you to pick up from there. Excellent. So, so basically as far as the processing of the documents or the, of the divorce itself, we have to, Every state is fairly uniform, except for their child support, alimony, residency, and waiting period. Some mm -hmm. states actually have a 12 to 18 month waiting period after you file for divorce before anything can happen. Um, other states require you to be separated for six months before you can file for divorce. So there, there's some of, the, some of those things. We call that the CRA, so child support, residency, alimony, and waiting period. Um, so those are the four things we have to think about during the processing of once the divorce, once we have completed everything in our process, we reach agreement for their kids, for their pets. Um, 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 have to print it out. And so each state has documentation. Um, and so we have formatted um, our documentation, our output, if you will, for every single state. So once they click print, it will print out for their state and they can take it to the courthouse and sign it and they're ready to go. No, I think that makes, makes complete sense. And I, I feel for you in the sense that to try and account for every variable and even just those ones, it seems like, oh, that should be reasonably, we'll just build a robust system, but it can make it difficult in the sense of trying to figure that out. So I can get why having to count, once you figure that out, it gives you a bit of a secret sauce, right? Or you can, you can roll that out. So you, so you figured that out. You said, okay, we've, gonna, we've got all the 51 states. We've got the variables, how you can do it, what the rules are, build that into your system. And I'm sure that, you know, that took a lot of time, time sweat, pain, effort, and all, any and all of the above. And then you rolled out your system. How was, uh, was the rollout smooth? Did you have a lot of people? Was, is it a slowly building momentum? Or how did you kind of, once you have that in place, how did you roll, or how was the rollout go for you? Well, because... Uh, 
decided to to roll it out here in Utah. And so we actually started here in Utah um, and ran it here in Utah just for about two or three weeks before we started opening other states. Uh, we wanted to make sure we had all the kinks worked out. So um, thank you to our Utah customers for being our guinea pigs. Uh, we did do the first few uh, customers at a very reduced price because we knew that we were going to find problems. But once we have once we got uh, a couple of customers through the system, we raised the price up to what our target price has been all the time. So it started out at ninety nine dollars, and then we raised the price after uh, several couples went through uh, um, to two ninety nine, which is a was our target price all along. No, and 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 that I think that makes sense in the sense that hey, if you're going to have a little bit you know, not, not guinea pigs, but people that work through the system, figure it out to give them a bit of a reduced price to say, Hey, this is a great system, but we're still working out the Kings. So let's, we'll give it to you to reduce price. Once we've figured it out, we're going to charge our normal makes complete sense. One other question I'm sure other people have. So I'll ask it for them because they can't ask it themselves <laughs> is, you know, I, and I have no idea. I haven't been through a divorce cross my fingers, never have to go through yeah. a divorce. It never happens. Wouldn't, wish, wouldn't want to wish it on anybody. But for those that do have to, is LegalZoom, is, do they offer divorce systems or how does this compare? How did you make it better? Does it, they don't offer it or kind of give an in, insider ideas to, you know, cause that's a little bit and I'll let you, I know I answered the question that I keep talking, but I'll, I'll circle back to it. You know, legal industry in general seems to be moving to, to or so, at least with some areas to kind of a, whether it's a DIY or reduce fees or, hey, at least for the simple things, this is, you know, let's do it as a where I don't have to go pay a, and a huge attorney fees. And I know I'm an attorney and I want a certain amount of work, but I certainly get that people are saying I don't want to pay a hu attorney for something that I'm not getting as much value. So with that, was, is there a legal zoom? Are you guys the first in the industry? Are you just doing it better or kind of give a, maybe an answer to that one? Sure. There, there are actually, um, you know, you never want to advertise for your competitor, but there are several competitors. LegalZoom is one, and I'll give some names of the others. There's another one called WeVorce. There's another one called It's Over Easy, which sounds like an eggs egg dish to me, but um, um, there, there are a few others. Maybe you can get an egg with your divorce. <laughs> That's right. There's another one called uh, Get Divorce Papers Now or something along those lines. Anyway, but uh, I have signed up for and actually processed a divorce. Uh, my business partner and I have been divorced about 30 times um, in this, throughout the development of this uh, system. But we did sign up for- You haven't been married a divorce. You just got through the system 30 times. Exactly. If it's a 30 times a divorce, then you guys, you're either doing, <laughs> you've either, I don't know what that means, but it would, that would be a lot of times. So 30 times that you've gone through the system. Is that right? Exactly. And I always joke with her that she, she owes me, I think at least a million dollars in alimony by now. But uh, anyway, no, we did sign up for most of our competitors and we went through uh, a, a complete process with them. And basically the difference, I mean, there are several differences, but I think the main difference is, is that almost uh, um, to a, to a competitor, almost every one of them has, they kind of assume that you and your spouse, your, your soon to be ex-spouse, you've already made all of these important decisions. Uh, and so it's really just a, give us this information so we can fill out the forms for you, which is valuable. There's no question about it. I'm not denigrating what they've done. But unfortunately, a lot of couples haven't made those decisions or they haven't thought of everything yet. Like for example, uh, what are you going to do with your Amazon Prime account? Have you made that decision? Uh, what are you going to do with your Audible account? Who gets to keep the books? 
I mean, it seems silly, but there's a lot of detail that, I mean, I realized this was, I was writing up my plan that we were married for 18 years. Amazon Prime didn't exist. Um, and, and you have to think about silly, dumb things like that. I know it seems silly, but those are things people fight over for weeks and they'll go to court over the dumbest things. Well, anyway, so um, our competitors, what they do is they assume that all those things have been decided. You answer a few questions and they spit out some forms. Hmm. Um, what we've done is we've taken a different approach and that is that we assume that there's at least a level of um, friendship or amicability that they can at least compromise and, and cooperate through this thing. And we walk them through a three-step process where we first identify the things that we have to deal with. So we ask a series of questions in the first step, which is, do you own a home? Do you have children? Do you have pets? They're all yes or no questions. No decisions are being made. Mm. That narrows the field because if they say we don't have kids, well, then of course, we're not going to ask them anything about their children. Mm. Um, and so um, once, we've, once we've done that, we call that the synopsis. Then we get to step two, which we call the inventory because it's kind of a data entry step because once they have said, yes, we have children, well, we need to know who they are. We need to understand um, how old they are. Um, if they say they have a house, we need to understand if they own it outright or if they owe money on it. So mm. it's, a, it's kind of a data entry. Again, no decisions are being made here. We're just doing data entry. Then we get to step three, which we call the division. And this is where both parties enter their desired outcome for mm. each of these items. So for example, if it's a house, you basically have five options. Um, you can either sell it, husband keeps it, wife keeps it, you can donate the house or you can share the house. And those are the five options that are um, outlined for every asset. And then of course, with children, there are different options. With pets, there are different options. With retirement accounts, there are different options. So each party enters in what they feel is the right answer. And then if, if they agree, great, we're done. If they don't agree, well, then we go through, this is where what makes us a bit different, or a lot different is that we actually put them through an online mediation. So there are no humans involved, but we actually created a series of mediation steps that helps the couple reach the same conclusions, hopefully. Obviously, not all of them will get there, um, but we try to mediate their differences and get them to an agreement. And if that works, then we spit out their, their documents and they're good to go. If it doesn't work, let's say they've agreed on 60% of the things and the other 40% they just still disagree on, then we spit out a what we call a mediation report, which they can then print, take to a mediator and say, hey, these 60% were good. All we have to do is worry about this 40%. Um, and hopefully that saves them quite a bit of money on the mediation process. No, I, I think that one is I, I think that kudos to you guys because, you know, and this is a complete aside note, but kind of related to, so we're actually, as I mentioned, I think that's where a lot of the legal industry, we're actually getting ready to roll out several kind of other things, not for the divorce, but more for patents and trademarks. But I think that to your point, there's almost a legal zoom in, in those, and I keep picking on them just because it's the one that always comes to bite quickly, but all, you know, all those type of things is it's become almost too automated or too hands off that, hey, we're just trying to do, there is no personalization, there is no customization, there isn't any listening to you. We're just going to try and do a one size fits all. And I get it if you're trying to hit a big market, but it, it doesn't account for, as you mentioned, whether it's the pri or Amazon Prime or the Audible or who gets a cat, who gets the dog, who gets the, you know, the car, who gets the trailer, who gets the memory books, who gets the whatever. There's just a lot of variables. And if you try and just overlook all of that, 
my, as you said, my guess is, is that it creates almost as many issues as it, as it resolves by just trying to go with the legal zoom. So I think that I like you guys' approach of, hey, we're going to put a bit of the customization or letting you, you know, helping you to make it a successful plan as opposed to just trying to spit it out and then leaving you guys to figure out whether or not it works and creating more issues. So, and I'm a big proponent of, I think mediation is a good way not always, and sometimes it just needs to be figured out in court, but a lot of times mediation or those type of steps are a lot better approach of trying to keep everybody on friendly terms. Because honestly, once you get the attorneys involved and you got the going to court, it becomes very adversarial and you can kind of kiss goodbye a, a lot. And they're a good attorneys, so I'm doing it in general. But a lot of times you can kiss goodbye that amicable kind of separation. And now it's just, we're going to butt heads for the until we, we have it figured it out type of a thing. So... Yeah, we awesome. actually have um, throughout the process, we've we've um, filmed several uh, instructional and motivational videos that, that pop up at, at appropriate times throughout. So if it seems that we are getting to a point where there isn't a lot of agreement, we pop up a little uh, video from, we had a couple of actors help us with uh, some great videos where it's like, do you really want a judge to decide this? Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, that, in essence, that's what you're saying. Um, anytime you decide to go to trial, you're just you're spending a lot of money for some stranger to decide something that you really should have just decided yourself. No, I think that makes complete sense. So, well, as we get towards the end of the podcast, and I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties, which I apologize for, but <laughs> aside from that, as we get towards the end of the podcast, I always get to the end of these and all the, I always have so doesn't even matter which episode, every episode I really just get into it and enjoy because it's so fun to hear what everybody does. Always more things to talk about than times or time to talk about them. But with that, as we get to the end, I always have two questions that we hit on. So we'll probably, we'll jump to those now. First right. question I always ask is, so um, what is the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Uh Wow. Um, fortunately, we've made more good decisions than bad decisions. Um, but I, I would have to say that the, the worst decision I made is that when I started this, um, you know, I didn't want to spend any money. Um, I was still working. I hadn't sold the house yet. Um, so I wasn't sure. So I didn't want to spend any money. So what I tried to do was uh, form a team of people that were willing to work for equity. Um, and, and, um, what I learned through that is 100% isn't a lot. Uh, it sounds like a lot. Um, but when you start giving away 5% to this guy and 10% to that guy, pretty soon you don't have a lot left for yourself. Um, mm. And the other thing about that is, um, well, I, I think that's pretty much it is that, so, so what I learned, don't give away your equity. And I think it's a hard balance because I, I agree with you and I've been in, companies on both sides, one where you give up equity and you're, well, I don't have the money to pay for this, or we only have so much runway and I'm trying to extend the runway. And so I'll give up, or you sometimes you're saying, I want this key valuable player. And I think sometimes there are good reasons. Let's say you have the best guy in the world that's the best programmer that can do the absolute best job. You want him involved. And so you may give him a little bit of equity, but I think one thing maybe even to build on that is don't give up equity too easily is I think even the better sometimes yeah. equity, but sometimes you give up equity to people before they've even started and then they have the equity and you're saying, well, now you're not doing anything. And why did, what, you know, you, you're now you're just writing on my coattails. And so I also would just almost to fall on as the advice of sometimes put in their milestones or as you yeah. do so much, as you prove out your worth to the company. And then almost to your point is 
upfront, it's always easier to give up equity. In the long run, you almost can dilute yourself so much. You're saying, I don't even own my own company or run it. And even if this goes great, I'm not going to make hardly anything. So I think that it's something to be much more judicious about than oftentimes people are. Yep. All right. Second question. So now you're talking to somebody that's just getting into startups or small businesses. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Well, besides what we just said, um, you know, remember equity is forever. Um, the, um, the best piece of advice I would say is um, make, know what you do well mm. and surround yourself with people who shore you up. Uh, the example I have is I hate, I mean, I literally have a visceral hatred for anything to do with accounting. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm right there with you. And I, so everything I do, taxes, accounting, and payroll are my least favorite. Exactly. They're horrible. Um, I'd rather be on fire than do my taxes. <laughs> but um, my, my business partner, Jill, she owns several companies and, and uh, has a kind of a, a parent company that, uh, that runs them all. And so since she owns a portion of this company, I now have access to her CFO and all the accounting and bookkeeping that she does. And so um, that is part of her investment. She has a cash investment and also a sweat equity investment in the, in the form of some development resources, as well as the financial resources, financing and accounting resources. Not, um, so she did, she did some cash investment as well as some sweat equity. And so I was able to offload the thing that I, I will put it off till, till I'm dead because I hate it. So I, I think my advice is just make sure you know what you like to do and what you're good at and find the people to come up and help you with what you're not good at. Mm, no, I, I think that, I think that, and it's a lesson that yeah, I had to learn. I'm on the, the flip side. I think I can do everything better than everybody else. Not that I can, <laughs> but as an entrepreneur, I think that that's oftentimes a knee jerk reaction. Oh, I can do that or I can do it better. Or I can, they, you know, and I don't want to pay for it. Even, even if you made the assumption that you could do everything better than everyone else, which is completely flawed, you can't get everything done and still build the company, right? And so where I always came, what lesson I had to learn kind of along the same lines is you have to be able to figure out what you do best, focus your attention on that, because that's where you're going to add the most value and the things that you can't do best or that you hate, or you're not going to put your time and love and passion into it then let's find somebody that does do that the best. And that's, that's who you bring on. So I think that's a great point. Well, as we wrap up, people want to, if they are getting a divorce, hopefully I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it does happen. And especially as you mentioned with COVID, it's only probably getting worse, but people are getting divorced or they want to find out more about your system. They want to be an investor. They want to be an employee. They want to just pick your brain or they want to reach out to you any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect with you? Well, if you if you do know of someone that needs to get a divorce, go to ourdivorce.com. If you want more information, just info at ourdivorce.com, and we'd be happy to answer those questions. All right. Well, that's simple and easy enough. Either go to the website or give you guys an email, and I'm sure you guys would be happy to, to reach out and talk with them. So, well, Tom, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tom. And now for everybody else, if you have a journey to tell that you'd like to come onto the podcast, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. Sign up to be a guest. We'd love to have you on and hear your journey. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can get a notification as all the new episodes come out. And lastly, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. We love to help startups and small businesses. Thanks again, Tom. It's been a pleasure and fun to have you on. Thanks so much. 